2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. Good to be with you today, as we are each and every day from 3 to 5 right here on this station. And you can always get our podcast, too. Just go to Radio Station website or go to Spotify and search for Southern California Live, and you'll find it on there. Click subscribe, and then you never miss a show. How about that? Uh, the number is 888 528 2557 if you want to join our conversation. And uh, for those of you who are at Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile, our event last night with Dennis Prager and Eric Bataxas, thank you for going. It was great to meet uh, some of you who um, um, listen to the show, and some of you I've talked to on the phone before. A lot of you are just listeners, and it was great to connect with some of you. And uh, there's 1,100 people there, so we didn't get to, if I didn't get to meet you, sorry about that, but there'll be some other things in different times, and I really appreciate you coming to that and uh, appreciate your feedback. And other stuff. I got some thoughts about it. I didn't get to it last hour. Maybe I will, maybe I won't this hour, uh as I as I just sort of process uh, some different things. Um one of the things that we do on our show is we pay attention to the news and I don't want to miss a important subject that's going on right now. It's the one year anniversary of the war in Ukraine. And, you know, it is it's unexpected that um It was unexpected a year ago that this war was going to last more than a couple of weeks. People just thought, well, uh, you know, what's going to happen is the Russians are just going to march into Ukraine and take it over. And I think that's what the Russians thought, too. I think most of the world thought. If you remember, uh President Biden is over there with uh Vladimir Zelensky in Kiev. It's one of the things I learned in this war is that it's not Kiev. It's Kiev, technically, I guess. So, see, we all learn different things. And – um, The president was over there, and here's some of what he had to say.
2: Nearly one year ago, I spoke at the Royal Castle here in Warsaw. Just weeks after Vladimir Putin had unleashed his murderous assault on Ukraine, the largest land war in Europe since World War II had begun, and the principles that have been the cornerstone of peace, prosperity, and stability on this planet for more than 75 years. Were at risk of being shattered. One year ago, the world was bracing for the fall of Kyiv. Well, I just come from a visit to Kyiv, and I can report Kyiv stands strong. <laughs> Kyiv stands proud. It stands tall. And most important, it stands free.
1: That was President Biden in Poland, actually. He was in Kyiv uh, this weekend. And there's this thing... I don't want to get into it really, but do you believe (laughs) he goes over there? And uh, I think it's great that he went over there, by the way. We're committed there. He's there. Got on the plane. He went over there. I think one of the greatest things that Trump did it and Obama did it and Bush did it in the middle of wars or other foreign things in the middle of the night flew Air Force One and landed there. They all have interesting stories about that. And I was watching the Bush one the other day, how they snuck out. who was like the first. He actually landed in Iraq for Thanksgiving in 2003. Um, and that was a huge thing to do. And that war had started to go badly. And it was important uh, for him to do that. I think if uh, where we are, it's good that the president went over there. Uh, but there's a scene where he's walking out of some building with Zelensky and suddenly the air raid sirens go off. And all this media is all about is, aren't they brave? The air raid sirens are going off and they're just, uh, they just kept up the pace. And I'm thinking, I, and I'm sorry that I'm cynical about this. If the air ride side saw, you know sound was really going off, maybe there's more to the video, right? Maybe there's more to the story. But I don't think that the president of the United States and his security team are just going to ignore it. I don't think so. People think that was staged. There hadn't been any, and I don't think any bombs went off anywhere, right? Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. It's just the weirdest thing. But, uh, and you know, that's a, another subject, those things going on. But other than that, though, okay, so he's over there. And, you know, it is – there's some surprising things. And this is important, though, because where we're at today, it's not where anybody I think expected a year ago. But it's probably more and more dangerous. I'm I'm concerned. Uh, I think that you have to stop tyrants from taking over land. I think that's absolutely something you have to do. I think we've learned that through history. You know, we let we let Putin take Crimea, that part of Ukraine, in 2014. We didn't do anything. And he's now taking the whole country. And if we do nothing or if we fail, you know, what's next? That's That's history. That's something that always, always happens. Okay, so is as controversial as this is and as troublesome as some things are, you can't ignore it. Uh, That's, I think, a very good, important historical position. That doesn't mean that the leaders we have are doing a great job and there's some questions that we've got. Hopefully they are. I mean, I'm not the president. I don't know what the uh, the secret things are going on there, but, you know, hopefully we are are not just suddenly having a war. And I know people feel differently about that. Uh, President Biden said on uh, yesterday that the United States will be providing $500 million in additional military aid to Ukraine um, during this visit. And um, he said that they've committed 700 tanks, which is an a important thing because a year ago he was opposed to tanks. And he thought that the involvement of tanks meant World War III. That's what he said. Uh, apparently, we've changed our mind on that, but it, it worries me a bit. 700 tanks and thousands of armored vehicles, the president said, 1,000 artillery systems, 2 million rounds of artillery, ammunition, more than 50 advanced launch uh, rocket systems, anti-ship and air defense systems, all to defend Ukraine. And uh, that doesn't count the half a billion dollars it's what the president said has been given the past year. That's what doesn't count the half a billion dollars that's coming now. Um And uh, there's some people who are, you know, explaining a lot of this. It's one of the things that is shocking is how inept the Russians have been. You know, whatever you think about different things, it is pretty shocking uh, how terrible they've been. But a lot of people are worried about escalation. You know, how do you do this? I think it's a tricky thing. You know, how do you help stop this kind of invasion? This is different. This is different from when Saddam Hussein went into Kuwait. Uh, remember, uh, if you were around back then, President George H.W. Bush, you know, he got off the helicopter one day and he said, this aggression cannot stand. And uh, and President Bush wrote in Time magazine, you can go find it, the goals of the uh, the uh, kicking Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. He wrote them all out and we accomplished all of his goals. Some people criticized him for not going all the way to Baghdad and taking out uh, Saddam, but his goals were just to get him out of Kuwait and to bring the borders back to what they were, and that has always been the you know position of free societies. That hey, if you let a tyrant go into one place, and the old the old statement: if you give you know a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. You you have to do something. So we did that. Then lots of criticism as to whether or not that was far enough, but you know he put the borders back where they were um that's what this is about same kind of philosophy in different ways um president putin is speaking however about escalation uh are headlines on drudge and some other place today that say that putin is removing his country from participation in our nuclear weapons treatings but if you read the article and you always have to read the article by the way the the headline stuff the headline is often deliberately misleading. Sometimes it's misleading because whoever's writing it doesn't know what they're doing, but uh, often it's deliberately misleading. Uh, sometimes it's misleading because they want clicks, right? That's how that's how your online stuff makes money, right? Is you get clicks and hopefully you go to the newspaper and you click on the ad. And I don't think there's anything wrong with getting the clicks. That's how you, you keep the business open, right? You got to pay the writers. There's got to be a way. It used to be that there would be ads, right? There'd be in your newspaper that you would, you know, open up in the morning, there would be, you know, advertisements, you know, and there'd be the JCPenney underwear ads in the back and, you know, there'd be all kinds of weird stuff in there. That's what this is now. So that's part of it. But you have to realize that the difference is, is they're trying to sensationalize the headlines for one or two purposes. One is to get you to to click it and get in there and click the ads. The other one is there is a movement, I think, to, uh, to deceive or to cause a lot of fear media kind of does that i think it's it's very serious the way we're doing that now anyway if you read the whole story uh it also tells you that putin emphasized uh, i'm quoting from reuters okay uh the headline is that putin is removing his country from participation in our nuclear weapon treaties but if you read the story it says that putin emphasized that russia isn't withdrawing from the pact yet and then hours after his address This article says the foreign ministry, Russian foreign ministry, said that Moscow would respect the treaty's caps on nuclear weapons. It also said Russia would continue to exchange information about test launches of ballistic missiles per earlier agreements with the United States. So it's an interesting article because it says, hey, we're thinking about doing this, but we're not really doing this. And that's something, if it kind of worries you, I think we should be concerned for sure. Um, But they're not doing exactly what the headlines say. It also makes me wonder that a few hours after Putin says this, the foreign ministry comes out and says, nah, we're not doing that. I hope that that means there's internal strife over this and that Putin doesn't actually have complete control. I hope that's what that means. But Putin also said that he claimed that the very existence of Russia is now at stake. Um, and he said that the goal of the West is to inflict a strategic defeat on Russia to end us once and for all. Uh, He's probably right about that. Like, we're not going to say that, probably. Uh, I don't think end once and for all, but to defeat Putin and to minimize the threat that Russia is, that's probably obviously part of the uh, what's going on here. But then he said, we're going to react accordingly because we are talking about the existence of our country. And Moscow's historic nuclear doctrine clearly states that their forces can use nuclear weapons when the country's, quote, very existence is at risk. So the Uh, President Biden knows this, uh, probably, or somebody around him knows this and says, you better address this. And so he gave us he gave the Russian people the typical we're not at war with you speech. He also said this today or yesterday in Poland.
2: So tonight I speak once more to the people of Russia. The United States and the nations of Europe do not seek to control or destroy Russia. The West was not plotting to attack Russia. Russia as Putin said today. And millions of Russian citizens who only want to live in peace with their neighbors are not the enemy. This war is never a necessity. It's a tragedy. President Putin chose this war. Every day the war continues is his choice. He could end the war with a word. It's simple. If Russia stopped invading Ukraine, it would end the war. If Ukraine stopped defending itself against Russia, it would be the end of Ukraine.
1: All right. That was President Biden trying to explain to the Russian people, who I don't know how much access they actually have to what he says, um, that we're not at war with them. That's something typical, right? I think that we've seen um, former presidents, uh, particularly um, Obama and Bush, uh, send messages to uh, countries that were bombing. Hey, we're not really bombing you. We kind of really are bombing you, though. That's the hard part if you're a civilian. But... Um, we're at war with whatever your leaders are doing. Uh, And I think that's necessary for him to do that. But what is troubling me and what we need to be praying about is the escalation, not just for us, but for our allies. And the big question is this, is at what point are we actually at war with Russia? You know, that is a big question that, that, you know, I feel like we need to have some clarity on. Are we at war with China right now? I know that Probably we shot down people 's Mickey Mouse balloons, you know three of the four, but one of them definitely was a Chinese spy balloon and by the way there 's a there 's a video of that spy balloon going around social media and uh, that shows these cameras on the bottom of it spinning around. They look like security cameras at the Walmart you know and they 're spinning that 's a fake video by the way i don 't know why <laughs> people are like, look at these cameras nah there 's cameras on there if you get the regular the real video, but the one that that has the cameras moving around that 's not for real. Um, but the balloon was real, and I don't really doubt that it's uh, – well, we know it was Chinese. Chinese admitted it was their balloon. They just did deny it's a, a spy balloon, but if you look at it, it's a spy balloon. Uh, I think we're that's true. Are we at war with China? Is it a cold war with China? Uh, how do we define this? And what's happening with Russia? Because the thought is if we're giving all this armament, all these tanks – all of this weaponry of different kinds. At some point, aren't you actually at war? It's called a proxy war, right? You're you're not sending your people in, but you're sending in all of your armaments uh, that otherwise Ukrainians wouldn't have. And other countries are, are doing the same. And so this is growing. People are getting more and more concerned. Representative Andy Biggs had this to say about this today.
0: Ukraine offering another $500 million is a huge huge problem. We've been fighting essentially a cold war with China now for, for uh, several years, but now uh, we are in a full-on proxy war with Russia, and it's going to take a great diplomacy to try to ratchet this thing down. And
1: You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. That was Andy Biggs saying, hey, we're in a proxy war, so we have a congressperson who is just saying it. Certainly the the Russians hear that. They know this already. It's not like news to them. Um, And Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, who is probably running for president, had this to say about the situation also.
0: They have effectively a blank check policy with no clear strategic objective identified. And um, these things can can escalate, and I don't think it's in our interest to be getting into proxy war with China getting involved uh, over things like the borderlands or, or over Crimea. So I think it would behoove them to identify what is the strategic objective that they're trying to to achieve. Uh, but just saying it's an open-ended blank check uh, that is not acceptable.
1: That is uh, Rhonda DeSantis. That's kind of where I'm at. Is I'm I'm not against the idea that we have to stop putin from going in to any other country um but the blank check is is a lot of money especially when we're thinking about disasters in our own country you know what about the problems here's a question i've got and all of it's debt by the way like it's not money we have right it's money we're printing uh that's that's a that's one of the bigger problems that we've got here okay did you know this i didn't i was curious about the remember the water problem in flint where people are getting lead poisoning I wondered if that's fixed. And just this week or last week, actually, six days ago, um, they're complaining in Flint that it's not. And Melissa Mays, who's with a group called Flint Rising, who's talking about replacing these water pipes there that were poisoning people. She said, today is day number 3,218 since our water was switched in by Flint by the city and the state of Michigan. Since then, the city, the state of Michigan and federal government have failed us. And they're complaining right now that this isn't getting done. And this crosses my mind when we were spending hundreds of million dollars overseas. You know, in principle, you know, you want to stop a nuclear war. What good as your water supply if there's nuclear bombs dropping, you know, or if we're going into World War III? I get it. But there needs to be a better explanation. And I don't understand why it's, it's hard to do that. I understand federalism. I understand states' rights. But why doesn't the federal government just go in and fix that problem financially? Uh I feel like taxpayers would be behind that, um, and it's a very interesting interesting thing that we do. Um, and I want to say this too, by the way. Putin – this comes up once in a while. Putin is not a, uh, a Christian defender. He's not a defender of the church. I hear once in a while a Christian say this, and, and one of the things Putin had to say was that uh, the West is threatening us because of their, their gender ideology basically is what he's saying. And he's saying, "You know, you can't have you, you're destroying the family with that." The thing is is that Putin's correct about that, uh, that this is something that is is bad for Russia, that if if the West exports this philosophy, it's bad for Russia because Russia is dying because people aren't having babies. Russia is dying because uh there's, there's the birth rate is declined. Uh, declined tremendously. And really, probably the reason that he's going into Ukraine and why he might go into other places is because they need more people. They need some, some better land. You know, a lot of Russia, is Siberia, and a lot of eastern Russia is just open space. And what do you do with it? I read a book uh, It was by Mark Stein, you know who that guy is? He's a conservative commentator. It's called uh, America Alone. It's an old book. I think it came out in 2008, maybe. But it's prophetic as far as what's happening in the world today. It's very, very interesting. And he talks a lot about the birth rates around the world. And it just points out that Russia is a country – he predicts this, by the way, that this kind of thing is going to happen because Russia is dying simply because their people aren't having babies. And so one of the things that is a threat to Russian society is any breakdown of the family. Now, to be honest, a big part of the breakdown of the family is the the Russian way of governance. Right, You get to a point where you don't want to bring kids into that world and – you know. Uh, but in Russia, they send you home four days a year, by the way, to go home and make babies. Did you know that? You get four baby-making days off when you work in Russia by order of Putin. Um, <laughs> I, I bet people take those days, just a hunch. Um, people are like, can I have another one? Can you take all four at once? I don't know how that works. But uh, that's on purpose because it's killing the uh, society that people aren't having babies. By the way, uh, the birth rate is too low in Spain. According to that book, Spain is going to be a Muslim nation in uh, the 2030s, here soon. And there's really nothing you can do about it. Uh, And it's not because of any war or because of an ideology battle. It's just because of birth rates. Um, And I'm not talking about weird conspiracy theories. I'm just talking about the way this goes. Our country is birth rate, I think since 2015, has declined less than the number necessary to maintain population. And uh, it matters. It matters for our social programs. If you don't have enough taxpayers paying into the system, then you can't pay the Social Security or Medicare, regardless of whatever the Senate wants to say about it. So it, these things are important. But all of that does not make Putin Christian. Okay, Putin is anti-Christ, When you ever hear a politician, and for some reason there's some people on the right who like to say this, but he is not defending the church. Putin is using the Russian Orthodox Church to draw people in from former republics, and he is persecuting them and using them at the same time. In 2000, I don't know if you know this, but according to Open Doors, Russia, under Putin's leadership, is one of the largest nations of persecutions of Christians in the world today. In 2016, Putin passed a law criminalizing evangelical efforts outside of church walls. All right. He, in 2019, Baptist pastors were arrested for uh, illegal missionary activity. And as Putin has gone into Ukraine right now, he has put in new laws that are called anti-missionary laws. And Ukraine was the largest missionary Christian evangelical missionary sending country in all of Europe until this invasion. Did you know that? Putin is destroying that. And yeah, it's true. Putin's not woke, but he murders people who speak out against him. That's what he does. He's opposed to public expressions of faith, even from his own Orthodox Church. He's anti-missionary, and he targets all the Christian groups in Ukraine and in Russia. So do not think that he somehow is defending the faith. I just can't stand it when people say that. He is not at all. He's a bad guy. We need to pray. This is one of the reasons we need to pray for Biden. I just want you to remember that. It's not pray that Biden gets everything Right. Not pray that Biden is successful if he's trying to pull off, you know, phony baloney air raid sirens as he's walking, you know, those kinds of things. Biden needs to make good decisions. He needs to make good decisions because the lives of everybody is at stake for this. That And he's the one in charge. Nobody else is in charge. Some of you think somebody else is in charge. Okay, well, pray for that person. You know, <laughs> whoever you think is in charge, pray for that person. But right now, pray for President Biden because he is the one making these these statements And what's happened over the past year is uh, it's interesting, but I'm not sure that it's that good. i got to take a break. Uh, When we come back, I'll get your phone calls. The number is 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I will be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. going to deliver much needed humanitarian assistance as well as food, water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war and provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries from Ukraine. <clears throat> it's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. It's also going to provide critical resources to address food shortages around the
1: globe. That was President Biden last April, actually, talking about aid that was going to Ukraine. And uh, here he's talking about... Paying pensions for Ukrainians who might lose their their job and other stuff, and uh, it's a remarkable thing that uh, we're doing the things that we do when we are at a place where we're talking about the debt limit and the Treasury Secretary is talking about extraordinary measures, and basically we're we're selling investments in U.S. pension fund to Ukrainian pensions. Um, these are these are things that maybe they're necessary. Somebody's deciding that, but I feel like we we really need a better laundry list of how it is that we're doing this. This is Southern California Live. We're talking about the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine. And uh, we may shift gears in a minute, but I want to get to your calls. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Bobby, welcome to Southern California Live.
0: Hey, how you doing? Good, Bobby. I was calling in because earlier you said you were talking about birth rates and stuff. Yeah. And about that book. And I remember in the late '90s, early 2000s, I was at uh, Calvary Chapel Downey for a missions conference, and they had Pastor Chuck Missler speak on. He brought that up, and he was saying the way it was going that the only country that'd be left to be like Canadian or or, or American or English would be Canada because their their birth rate was so high. The way he projected the numbers, and he was saying like. All of Europe and all of England would be Muslim by this year, and like all of Russia and their military would be, you know, Muslim descent by this year, and that it was just like taking over everything.
1: You know, it's uh, it's an interesting thing the 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 birth rate conversation, and I want to be careful because there's some there's some conspiracy theories and things that people say. I think it's just the way the world works sometimes. Thank you, Bobby, for your call, um, and it's just something that you know i think where it really comes down to is what do we in the west believe about the family right this is one of the things that is i think we're losing in our understanding of building a nation building a um you know in western society a lot of conversation today is about, you know, decline of the West and are we declining? Well, the the birth rate question is is part of it, but part of that is because of, of families. There's fact, you know, there's movements with uh, some of the young people today about not having kids. Who was it? Was it Chelsea Handler, the comedian who put out this video on social media last week uh, bragging about the idea of not having any kids? And, you know, there's supposed to be funny this video. She's a woman. I, I think she might be 50 years old. And she has the alarm go off late in the morning. She can sleep in. She can stay in her pajamas. She can drink her coffee. She can just go to do it's all these things of having the freedom of not having kids, basically. And I think there's a lot of people in our culture opting for that. But there is a tremendous downside to that just as far as building a, a country. The, the country changes. It can't support itself. Remember a few weeks ago, uh, Chuck Schumer Talk, he was talking about the the border, and he actually said it: "We need people to come over the border because our birth rate is so low." That's what he said. And so, part of the idea is is you've got to have enough people in the system who are paying taxes so that uh, you can continue uh, all of your social programs. Otherwise, you can't afford them. If we if we lose population, right? If you if you start to lose population, well, then there's not enough taxpayers to pay. Um, for older people in particular who receive an awful lot of our social benefits, social welfare, welfare welfare with social security. And you say, well, I paid into it. Well, you did pay into it, but you, you paid into it a long time ago and now people are paying into it for you and you're getting paid what they're paying into it. But if there's a decline in, in taxpayers, then some generation is going to hear the word no when they go apply for it (laughs) because the money's not there. Um, And, You know, I think it has to do with the wealth that we have. Uh, It has to do with, uh, you know, a whole lot of different things that come along with wealth and freedom. And that's why you have not just Muslim countries, but other countries where there isn't that kind of wealth and freedom. They have tons of kids, seven or eight kids. Now, we used to have that many kids in our country, but people were a lot poorer and also medical care – was such that uh, you might have had, you know, in the 1800s, you might have had seven or eight kids, but you'd be lucky if four of them survived. And, you know, there is something to that. Uh, and now because of medical advances and other things, it is possible, you know, it's mostly likely that your kid is going to survive. And so there's just a lot of things that have changed regarding that. When we, we think about the, the world today, another thing that concerns me is not just that we're kind of moving towards these wars. Um, it worries me, you know, the idea of war with China and Russia at the same time. Uh, what are we going to do, you know, if that happens? Um, there is is part of what we were warned about. I think with President Eisenhower we talked about the industrial, what would you call it, the military-industrial complex, uh, which in some way we have um, some. Interesting things happened this last week, and I don't want to miss this. Did you see the story? Uh, And it's about uh, the children's books that are being rewritten. Did you know about this? That the – how do you say his name? Roald Dahl. He's the guy who wrote uh, Willy Wonka, uh, that book. They're changing the books that he wrote. They're changing them to have uh, gender-neutral language or sort of modern language with pronouns and things like that. They're changing the Oompa Loompas, for example, in that book. Instead of men, which they were little men, they're now gender neutral. And they're taking out words um, that are offensive today, like uh, fat or ugly. So in one of his books, Mrs. Twit is no longer ugly. And they're changing this kind of thing. There was a great outcry uh, about this. And it's because this is a sign of, of totalitarianism. The idea that you go back and you change literature, even if it is offensive, if it's something, you need a record of it. You need it to be there. You can't pretend it didn't happen. I've been reading the book 1984, rereading it. I haven't read it really since, since uh, high school. And I don't even know if I really read it then. You know, I read it in order enough to actually f- do whatever paper I had. That was probably it. But the main character in that book, his name was Winston, and his job is to edit uh, – books and other documents and political documents and speeches and other things like that to represent what is either true or what is needed to be true. And what he does is is he'll get these paperwork and say that the president said, oh, we're going to spend uh, this amount of money and we're going to do this and that. And then it turns out the president was wrong. What he actually does is he, he changes the, the verbiage of the speech and throws the other speech down what's called a memory hole where it's destroyed and burned. And then, if anybody goes back and see, I thought he said this, and then you go back and you look at the text, and you go, "Oh, uh, he actually didn't." And I've been thinking about this as I read this book. That we're, you know, he was it wasn't quite there in 1984, but it's a lot closer in 2024. There was a video that went around social media that showed uh, somebody talking about three genders, and what she was, she's a third gender of some kind, is what she's saying, and she said that Hawaiian culture has three genders. And always had three genders. And I thought, that's crazy. That's not true. And so I looked it up and I went to Wikipedia. You know, Wikipedia is, it's an online encyclopedia, but you can change it. You can log in yourself and change it if it's not accurate. And there's a, there's a mechanism where you're supposed to cite things and where you get that and this and that. But people can go in and change it. And if no one's really correcting you, what happens is, is you can go in, you can change a detail. And if nobody catches it over time, that detail will just survive, even though it might be wrong. And I thought what's interesting is I went there and it said, sure enough, there's three genders. But then I kept reading and it said that the third gender, the sort of other gender that's out there, the the Hawaiian word, which I can't pronounce, it used to mean homosexual is what it means. It's not a third gender. It just is the old word for homosexual. But now what it, people are changing it to mean third gender, which is offensive, by the way, to homosexuals, whole nother topic. But it is a – uh a critical thing that we should realize that's happening in our, our culture today. I did a sermon once where, and I've said this before, hey, take out your Bibles. You know, you say that when you're going to do a sermon. And then I said, or, or take out your phone and open up your phone app. And somebody came up to me and said, don't say that. People need their printed Bibles. And I said, why? And she said, because when the other ones, it's – uh because in the digital Bibles, it can change. And if one day the government doesn't want you to have access to it or wants to change what it says, they can just change it, and you won't know the difference. It'll just change it digitally. You need printed Bibles so you know what it says. And I took her seriously, but I also thought, you know, that's a long long shot there, and there's so many Bibles out there. I'm kind of on the page now where you should probably have a print copy of a lot. I love the digital books. You know, I'll get a book on Kindle or whatever. It's great because I can search it. I can highlight stuff. It's just always there. I always have it on my phone but I found myself getting the Kindle version and a print version for this very reason. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it with these books, these children's books. You know, if you've got an old uh, Roland doll book or you've got a, uh, you know, Willy Wonka, those books in print, save them because they're, they're not going to print them that way. They're going to change it. And it's a pretty scary thing uh, it, that that is happening. And when is it going to be that they just change it? Uh, in such a way to manipulate and to respond to different things. That's that's happening now. That 1984 stuff, it's happening now. All right, I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I'll be back for your calls uh, as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned
2: nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812 that's 213-537-3812
1: welcome back everybody southern california live it is good to be with you some of you have called or written and i mentioned a book uh, a little while ago it was called america alone uh, the End of the World as we know it. It's written by Mark Stein, I guess, 2008. It is 2008. I got it right when that was done. Uh, if you read that book now, and Stein, S-T-E-Y-N. Mark Stein used to be the fill-in for Rush Limbaugh uh, a while ago. Uh, it's kind of got this British accent, and he's got a show. He's in England now is where he is. The guy's hilarious. Whether you agree with him or not, it's laugh out loud funny. The book is pretty funny, even though it's dealing with – some serious things. And the, the this book was written really coming out of nine eleven, and then the Iraq, you know, the Afghanistan invasion, the Iraq war, and how by 2008 it was kind of messed up, right? And most of the world had dropped off uh, as far as fighting for certain things. So it was really, it gets into talking about how the world is changing just based on uh, the birthright uh, rates and stuff. Remember Gaddafi, Uh, Muammar Gaddafi, who uh, met his uh, end um, in that Benghazi thing. Is that right, Benghazi? Am I saying that right? Whatever the Hillary Clinton one was. Uh, They killed him and dragged him through the street, even though we promised him at one point if he would stop blowing up our airplanes, we wouldn't do that. Um, The whole situation is bad, all of that that we did. He stopped, but his rationale, his rationale for stopping his terrorism in a state sponsor of terrorism uh, was partly because Reagan bombed him, but also because he saw the birth rates changing. And he's like, you know what, I don't have to do anything. You know, we're gonna we're gonna take over. This is what he said. We're gonna take over just an amount of period of time, just because, you know, we're gonna have twelve babies and you're gonna have one. Uh how long does it take uh to end this? Um and that's just and that's that's not something that is suddenly new. That's kind of world history. You know, if you wonder why cultures you know, survive and they uh, change, and empires rise and they fall. There's a lot of different reasons, and you know, so it's not really new. And I'm I'm being careful because some people have this conspiracy theory that you know this is what you know the bad people in one side are really trying for. And I think it's just what happens in human history, and it happens when a country loses sight of what it is actually trying to do. When a country loses sight of uh how it is meant to be built here's a question for you as we're we're getting into you know just to think about as you think about uh unfortunately the election year starting up it's what we got two people officially announced for president uh donald trump and uh, nikki haley we're still waiting for president biden to make a decision um uh, Bolton, what's his name, Bolton, He he's going to run or his mustache is going to run, somebody's going to run, but he hasn't officially filed the paperwork yet. People assume DeSantis, there's probably going to be 12 Republicans run. Uh, and uh, depending on what Biden decides, he's either going to run or maybe someone will run against him. You know, if there's a real concern about his health or other things, I think that could happen. My theory still is he ain't running, um, but uh, I could be wrong. Uh, and even if he says he's going to run, you know, ask again in six months. Uh, I'm not sure that he is. Uh, based solely upon his age and uh, just, I think what the capabilities are there and how that, how that works. Uh, poll numbers will probably drive that anyway. Uh, you know, in in the politics of it, ask this of anybody you think you might be voting for, what's the vision for our country? What is the vision, not just for your party or for whatever your group is, what's the vision? Where are we going? Uh, more than just a slogan. Okay. Um, Biden sort of had a slogan. I think it was Build Back Better, but he really stole that from a British guy. Did you know that? That was uh was uh uh Boris uh Boris Johnson's uh slogan uh in England. When he was prime minister of England, he said build back better.
0: But then's the breaks.
1: Um he stole that from him. Trump, of course, had "Make America Great Again." I think some people had an idea of what he meant with that, but it wasn't really concrete. Like, here's the steps necessarily. Barack Obama, remember what he had? He had in 2008. He had "Yes, We Can," right? And it was inspiring for a lot of people. In 2012, he didn't have anything. You know, it was it was an odd year. I remember thinking that it's that uh, really Romney and 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 Obama are not really presenting visions. Uh, where do we really need to go? And I'm wondering if people who are running this time are going to do that. That's something that I will be looking for. I think it matters because as a as a country, if we're going to unite, one of the ways you unite people is you point in a direction if you're the leader and you say that way and you make the argument that this is the way we're going to go. See, and if you do that, you have some unity. You know when the church gets unified? The church gets unified when we get on the page of discipleship because that's what our leader told us to do. When the church isn't worried about things going on inside the wall, when the church is more concerned about discipleship, um, we we unify. We find it easier to work with other churches. We find it easier to, to deal with the stuff going on in our churches. You know whenever the government or some outside group attacks a church – Uh, You know, it's amazing how fast your church gets unified all of a sudden when an attack is coming from the outside. It's the attacks on the inside when we get distracted from our our purpose that uh, tear us up. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Craig in Woodland Hills, welcome to Southern California Live.
3: Hey, how are you doing? I I wanted to talk about the birth rate issue. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back to Paul Ehrlichman when he came out with his uh, book that talked about the population bomb. There was a guy who got right. him that on every single one of the issues that he bought up on bought up the book, that in 10 years he would be wrong. He was wrong. In came years, out in he the, was, that he, came out in
1: the 60s, right? And then uh, he predicted – I'm just catching some people up who may not realize. If I'm right, tell me if I'm right. In, in like 1968 or 69, he predicted that sometime in the 70s, I think, that there would be hundreds of millions of people starving to death across the world, Western world, because there wouldn't be enough food because there's too many people.
3: That was the main idea. But he had like 10 different ideas that he brought up in his book. And somebody, I forget the guy's name, that bet him, bet him publicly that he would be wrong on every single issue. And at the end of the time frame, he was wrong on every single issue, and he's been wrong ever since. Whether it came out to arable land under production, whether it came out to the amount of food that we provided for people, he's been wrong ever since. And that book uh, persuaded so many people that, you know, I can do it my way or the highway, uh, people are bad, having babies are bad, uh, and I think that contributed to part of the sexual revolution issues as far as uh, abortion. And if you think about the 60 million babels, babies have been aborted over that period of time, and their period of time of them to actually have babies and have people in our society, we would have no problem with our birth rate at this point if it wasn't for that issue alone. But those, that bad thinking has continued on, and they're still bringing up Paul Ehrlichman as being a prophet when every single one of his ideas has been proven wrong, and people still are sold these false lies or false beliefs, even when proven wrong. Same thing goes with communism. Communism presents one issue, but it's been proven wrong every single place it's been tried. And um, it's just sad when our government people, people in society... Don't actually deal with the truth when they've actually been presented with the
1: truth. Well, and there's uh, other implications to all of that. I appreciate your call, Craig. And Ehrlichman was on 60 Minutes a few weeks ago talking about something again, and, and that's the point: is that he was wrong about everything before. Why we have him on here again? You know, part of that that thing, part and the the sexual revolution, the idea that there's too many people. Did you know you can you can put every human being on Earth right now and give them property, something like a quarter of an acre in Texas. Everybody in the earth, ten billion people or however many we have, they'd all fit in Texas, and they could all have live on half an acre. Like, that wouldn't really, you know, function. But that's there's a lot of open space. That's really the point. Uh, and what we have found is that over time, as things have changed, that that people are are able to adapt, and people are able to come up with new technologies. How do we feed people? I mean, if you could provide for better electrical grid in some of our poorest countries of the world. You would very quickly be able to solve starvation and uh, and water problems, um, refrigeration. You know, one of the reasons you're not hungry is you got stuff in your freezer. You got a refrigerator, so your food doesn't spoil in a few days. You solve that problem, and uh, things are working. Um, that's one of the controversies with a lot of the uh, climate change stuff. We don't hear it as much in our country, but in uh, Europe, in particular, with the climate change stuff, you know, a big part of it is that the idea is we're going to deprive Africa of of modernizing their electrical grid, because and then what happens though is those people aren 't going to get fed, and that isn 't going to work okay in it's it's we 're going to have to find a way to make clean energy in a way that 's real and not imaginary. Those are the things that are that are going to work uh, the breakdown of the family is also a big part of this that I think people don 't realize how important that is to a nation see when God makes the family a husband and a wife. And there are, yes, there's a symbolic nature of that in Christ and the church in the Old Testament, Israel and the Lord. Um, It matters and it's part of our testimony, but it's also how nations work. That if you have an intact family, if you have parents who are taking care of kids, uh, it matters. Uh, If you have parents who are taking care of kids and Going through all of that, two parents, male and female parents, uh, all the studies say that's better. And I know that lots of people listening, that hasn't been your experience because you've gotten divorced or you lost your spouse otherwise, or you, you had a baby uh, outside of wedlock and good for you for keeping your, your baby and do the best you can as a single parent. I know all those issues are there, but the studies show that it's, and your kid can do fine. There's there's hope if you invest and in particularly if they know the Lord, you want to make sure they graduate. There's a lot of things there. But just statistically speaking, children are better off in a two parent home, mother and father that 's the way it works. Uh, Craig mentioned and I got to sign off here in a second, but it made me think there was a, a book I want to remember uh, and it talked about abortion. This was a liberal book actually, and the interesting thing is it mentioned the sixty thousand kids who have been aborted that most of the people who aborted their babies have a liberal politic, and the point of the book was that most children. Adopt the moral points of view of their parents, meaning that, and it's like seventy percent of something like that. So seventy percent of those kids aborted would have been pro-choice kids to grow up, theoretically. Um, and uh, by them dying, the book actually made the point is that that's why Republicans get elected because Democrats killing off their future voters. Isn't that weird? That's just a weird way of thinking of it. But uh, and not having all those people, maybe that's why we're having population problems because right, they would be here and we would be better off with Social Security and Medicare because there'd be a lot more taxpayers. There's so many things like that that, that matter. Guys, be in prayer and uh, pray for our country. Pray for the people God put in your life. I gotta go. Scott Furrow, this is Southern California Live. We'll be back tomorrow from 3 to 5. Have a great evening. God bless.